in the previous chapter, uh, Matthew 24, ended with a parable um, meant to emphasize the idea of readiness for the coming of Christ. And here, in Matthew 25, we see it starting out um, very similarly in the same way, um, looking at the preparedness of the bridesmaids. And I believe this preparedness that we're talking about is more um, a preparedness of the heart. Um, It's not that we have all our ducks in a row um, here on earth with our material things. It's where our heart is at um, with the Lord. In my my research, I found a little more um, about Jewish weddings in that day. Uh, The process, and specifically the lamps, um, are important and add a deeper meaning to the story, and I'll... um, get to that a little bit later. Uh, There were three stages to the Jewish wedding. The first was engagement, which is similar to what we would have today, Um, but in a, it was a formal agreement uh, actually made by the fathers. Uh, The second was betrothal, a ceremony where mutual promises were made, so that would be similar to our wedding ceremony. Um, The third was marriage, and this stage um, is which Um, the parable takes place. That's where we're at in the parable, is marriage. And this would actually be about a year after the betrothal, after the ceremony, uh, when the bridegroom would come at an unexpected time, think of that, ladies, uh, for his bride. (laughs) In this parable, um, it's Jesus, the Messiah himself, who takes the role as bridegroom. And this is different from several Old Testament um, writings about God, which, which the Godhead is portrayed as the groom. In Matthew 9, 15, Jesus is discussing fasting and says, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken from them, and they will fast. So this seems to point to Jesus um, and Messiah. Uh, he, as Jesus, the Messiah, as the groom, and he will be returning like a thief in the night for his bride, the church. And this illustration is also good for... Um, unmarried people as well. It shows a redeeming love and and support of a genuine God. Uh, The bride, the church, is also often referred to as the body or the kingdom of God. So when we sang this morning about God building his kingdom, this can be a great parallel um, to this parable in which Christ the king is returning for his kingdom. Um, I found it interesting to learn the significance of the lamps. In this story, the lamps are actually more realistically like a torch, um, were important because they actually lit the way. They guided the groom in the dark of night into the house and ultimately to the bride. So the light helped make it possible for the groom to uh, return to his waiting bride. As Jewish tradition went, Uh, The first two stages had been completed, and now the bride and bridesmaids were waiting, watching and waiting. We read in the parable that the bridegroom had been delayed, so they did sleep. All ten slept. The wise ones were already prepared, though, so they could immediately awaken and light their lamps, with no concern of running low for oil. The foolish maids appeared to be prepared with their lamp in hand, but they had no fuel. So this leads me to three questions. Um, They're in your bulletin, and we will come back to each one so you don't have to scramble to write write them down. Um, Where is our fuel source coming from? Where might we be sleepwalking through life? 
and what is distracting us from truly fellowshipping with Christ. First, where is your fuel source coming from? The only difference uh, we know of in the parable between the foolish and the wise bridesmaids is their lack of fuel and preparedness. The foolish ones even looked prepared. They had their lamps, um, but they were missing the oil. They probably acted very similarly to the wise bridesmaids, but they were missing their fuel, which affects um, their readiness and and ultimately their, their heart for the groom in this parable. Interestingly, in many biblical passages, oil is an emblem of the Holy Spirit, and we will often use oil in anointing as a representation of the, the Holy Spirit's presence. Uh, commentator David Guzik suggests that oil is a good representation of the Holy Spirit. It can be healing. It's used for medical purposes in biblical times, and the Holy Spirit brings healing and restoration as well. Oil can also be light and warmth when used in fueling a flame. Likewise, the Holy Spirit brings clarity and comfort, as well as conviction and reconciliation. In the same way, oil can be used as polish to smooth rough edges. So what is fueling you? Is it chasing the American dream? Is it living up to others' expectations and desires? Are we relying on money, materials, and possessions to provide for our happiness and security? Or are we leaning into the Holy Spirit, constantly asking to be filled, to overflowing with his power? He alone is the only true fuel source. And if we rely on other things like ourselves, we may be prone to burnout and unpreparedness. Is there an area of life where you may have fallen asleep? In the parable, all ten bridesmaids, including the wise, fell asleep. So I realize I'm using some liberty in this question. Um, But I also think of the disciples that fell asleep uh, while Jesus was in deep turmoil in the Garden of Gethsemane. The account of that event, event is actually in the very next chapter in Matthew 26. He asks his disciples, stay here and keep watch. And he returns to them in verse 40 to find them sleeping and says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Jesus also warns Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So our spirit may be willing, but where is our flesh weak or lethargic? What I mean by this is where have we settled for the status quo or just kind of going into autopilot? Where have we stopped pressing into God's presence in prayer? Where are we making decisions before consulting the Father? In our jobs, the way we spend money, in our marriages or parenting? I know I've had several moments recently where I just had to step back and think, why didn't I just pause a little bit more and and ask God, just ask him in prayer? Jesus asks us to wait and watch for him to pray so we won't fall into temptation. And this leads to the final question, what distractions might be keeping you from fellowship with the bridegroom, Christ? And here I'm talking about our temptations and our sins. The foolish bridesmaid, (coughs) excuse me, had left to go get oil for their lamps. They were unprepared. So this was their distraction in a way. Or maybe they had been distracted earlier instead of fully preparing themselves with the oil that they needed. 
Is there anything distracting or keeping you from intimate fellowship with God? Are there any walls or boundaries that we have established between us and God? These would be our idols, what we're spending our our time on, our possessions, our addictions, our envy of others, our tendency to try and control everything. Once the foolish bridesmaids had arrived to the wedding from retrieving oil, the door was shut to them, and they were turned away. Their distraction had cost them the opportunity to celebrate with the rest of the wedding party. And after all the anticipation and waiting, they were turned away. In the same way, if we are distracted and our hearts are not prepared for the groom, we will miss out on eternal celebratory fellowship with the Messiah. This illustration of Christ as the groom and we as the church as the bride has always really resonated with me. Um, So this parable also holds significant meaning. Uh, Revelation 21.2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This picture is also depicted really beautifully in a song that I have come to love um, by the City Harmonic, and it's called Wedding Day. Um, We're going to share it with you this morning. Christ for me But it ends with a bride and groom And a wedding by a glassy sea Oh death where is your sting Cause I'll be there singing Holy Holy
Thank you for listening with me. Can we say together, holy, holy. I just get this beautiful picture of us all together um, on that wedding day. What a a gorgeous um, picture of the body, the bride, um, come together. He is holy and set apart. And he alone is able and worthy to be our fuel source. I was reminded recently that we cannot do it all, have it all, or be it all all at the same time. But this doesn't excuse us from working out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul instructs us to in Philippians. So are we ready? We should also pray unceasingly and keep watch, as Jesus warned Peter to do in order to avoid distraction from fellowship with God. May we lean into the Holy Spirit and be fueled by him. Invite the worship team for a closing song together.